I'm Chris Long, and I don't love cats, but I could be swayed. to green light episode three i am your host if you'd like to think of me that way chris long along with macon here who uh is having a rough day got chapped lips he had an i voted sticker not a political podcast but he did vote and it dropped into the toilet as he was <laughs> making urine about 10 minutes ago <laughs> i mean why why vote if not to assert your civic superiority over your fellow humans? That's what I'm all about. By wearing the I voted sticker all day. And it did fall off this sweet final four swag into a toilet. So uh yeah. Chap lips, I've lived in this same four season climate my yeah. entire life, never have had never had them. Chap lips. Hard to have chap lips if you don't if you don't have lips. Chris thinks I don't have lips. <laughs> Tune in next week for a lip off. Not doing that on this show at all. I went for a hearty laugh yesterday and tore my lip open. I mean, it's awful. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. It is the worst. So I appreciate you fighting through. You do have your final four uh, garb on. Shout out to Tony Bennett and the Who's. Wahoos opened their defense of the national championship Wednesday night at Syracuse. College hoop season opens Tuesday night. This is the first week in AP poll history. Number one and number two, football and basketball playing the same week. Holy hell raisers. I'm going to check that college basketball stuff out. It's hard. Do I get fat and happy as a Virginia fan, or do I, do I ramp it up a level and become more of a fanatic? Uh, also a fanatic of the Giants. We'll get to that in a bit. But the main story last night, the biggest storyline, was the cat which I don't know if we have a name for yet, but this cat became a superstar. Probably the most formidable field game interrupter in the history of the NFL. If he wanted to, homeboy could have been out on that field at the Meadowlands for an hour. Right. A human is a big target. Human is a big, big target. Cat's a little smaller. Um, quick bit about the cat. There's some next-level stats here that, that I can't locate right now. But since the cat came on the field, the Giants were abhorrent. I think they were outscored by double digits. Uh, this was right before the 10-point swing Quick in the math. second quarter. 35-9. to nine. Yeah. Giants were up 9-3 when it came on Since the, the cat came on the field, they really struggled. Um, in general, there were a lot of memes, too. Like, Reddit was on it quick, which I love. Uh, we... <laughs> We have Putin. Who is that? Is that Travolta? <laughs> Big Spoon on Putin? And then some Star Wars freaks. A lot of people on Reddit probably like Star Wars. Uh, and I think, it the, is that Tony Blair or something in the back? I don't know. Just these British, dude. I feel like there's a lot of weird British people on Reddit, so. I don't care for any of it. I'm, I'm anti-cat. You're anti-cat. I am willing to be talked down. I am moderately anti-cat what's going on with cats like a lot of people said that cats can't get in the meadowlands how did that cat it's easy 
to imagine a cat getting into the Meadowlands and living off of sewer rats. I mean, that was a well-fed cat. Yeah. Have you played in MetLife? Yeah. I've been to a few of these where Virginia plays, Heinz Field. Yeah. Whatever we're calling the Dolphin Stadium this year. I, I don't know. Conspiracy theory. You think somebody let the cat out? I, I've never seen a cat in an NFL stadium. College I, stadium I for think, that matter. I think of NFL stadiums, the most likely destination for a stray cat might be MetLife. That's fair. Maybe Miami Gardens. A cat that's living outside Tootsie's eating rats. Takes the, sh- the short jaunt over to that Hard Rock Stadium. Is that what they call it? It is Hard Rock this year. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lizards down there they can live off too. Uh, probably the most famous cat in sports history. Cat buddies have no idea this morning. Andre Scalaraga. Real cat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I always pull for the streakers in general. I was definitely pulling for the cat. Bowed out. Took his curtain call. Hit the exit to watch from whatever hole in the stadium he was he was living in, and watched, and watched the, the bowels. He was the watching bowels. the Giants implosion from the bowels. There's no other word for the <laughs> the underneath of a stadium than the bowels of a stadium. Exactly. The cat was in the bowels watching the implosion, the turnovers. Um, quick fact here: most stray cats in the world. Guess what country? USA. USA, 76 million. Have no idea how the Census Bureau gets that bad boy off the stat there, but I believe it. I could contribute. I have a neighborhood cat, a murderous neighborhood cat, currently uh, doing damage to squirrels. Squirrel population. It's a a tough, yeah, it's a tough morning coffee when you look into the backyard and you see a cat with a squirrel. (laughs) Just lifeless squirrel. Yeah. And you don't love squirrels, but you hate you hate cats so much that you're not okay with it. And and I'm pro squirrel. You're pro squirrel. Yeah. Don't love squirrels here. Um Kevin Harlinson call, by the way, on that that cat streaker. Oh, did he give the play by play again? It was beautiful. Nice. It was He's a, the best in the business. A thing of beauty. Maybe we'll get that on in post. Uh but Cat stole the show. We'll get to the game later. Another thing that happened this weekend was, oh, didn't you sell a house to somebody that was having trouble selling their house because there was a murdered cat in a... <laughs> no, guy buys a house within the first month, a deceased cat in a plastic <laughs> bag shows up, again, in a backyard. And my advice was to call the police in case this was a gang-related event. <laughs> Turns out we live in Charlottesville, Virginia. They didn't have any history of of cats in bags, which would not be a prototypical gang initiation. Usually, you have to get jumped in. I want to join the gang where you could, sorry, Peter, kill a stray cat and put it. Mm. It seems a lot easier to get into that gang than to get jumped in. Yeah, uh, this person has not tried to resell that particular home, and there have been no more cats left in the backyard. That's a good update on that uh, that seller uh, making Gunner neighborhood real real estate specialist as well also a uniform aficionado as am i we spent a lot of hours arguing about uniforms over the weekend we saw some jerseys that we liked and didn't like uh big win for the who's knocking off north carolina very agreeable to my visual palette seeing those all whites which some people 
in my mention. Uh, there they are right there. Beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. It's hard to go wrong. Icy whites. We've gone with that orange and blue stripe. Helmet. Jersey. Pant. If it's monochromatic, that's that's a win. That's a big Seven win. Seven days out That's a week. big win. I had somebody compare it to Auburn's. I think Auburn's are abhorrent. Also, I think our, our football program might be older than Auburn's. And we gave them the orange and the blue. We gave them the orange and the blue. I think we look beautiful on Saturday night in our big win over UNC. UNC always looks beautiful. Carolina blue pains me to say. Yeah. That combo is one of the best at night in college football. Now, one of the worst for me would be a red team on a maroon team in a dome. Can't watch it. Yeah. Hurts my hurts my head. Migraine. Well, in Mile High, you had Browns and Brown. Terrible. Broncos and Orange. Yeah. Our friends to the Southwest in Blacksburg go with a maroon-orange combo. It's not pretty. Not pretty. Um, some ones we liked, though, this weekend. I liked uh, the UCF um, deal they did. We know I love space. UCF is trying to stake the claim to uh, space travel superiority in a major dick move. They, they played Houston this weekend trying to one-up. What I learned was the NASA headquarters. It's actually not Cape Canaveral. It's Washington, D.C. There we are. <laughs> I'm out on the gimmicky uniforms. This is, this is as cool as it can get with gimmicky uniforms. But The moon crater helmet was strong. The constellations kind of blended into the, uh, the numbers. What I didn't love was uh, the U.S. Not that I'm not patriotic, but this thing on the legs. Ooh, hot take. Yeah, and, and, then, and, then, the, um, and then the constellations on the shoulder was just gratuitous. Um, TCU also had a uniform statement they made this weekend that I wasn't crazy about, and that was the North Carolina-like diamond ensemble on the collar. I don't know how you feel about that. Less is always more. Carolina goes Argyle, which they sort of that, have, That's what it's called, Argyle. Yeah. Staple of your, of your fashion. Nah, 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 uh, nah. Less is always more when it comes to uniforms, and you think of the traditional greats. I mean, just look at the, the top five in the country right now. LSU. Beautiful. Always solid. Bama. You know what you're getting. Beautiful. Ohio State. Clemson. Penn State. Clemson, less beautiful. Yeah, at least you know what you're going to get. You know what you're getting. Except for when they throw in the purple. Yeah, the purple's a little bit of a um, an eyesore. Um, this weekend as well, we had real college football scores. Uh, we don't have enough time to get to that because there's so NFL, so much NFL today. College fun for me, that classic weekend where you think you're doing something, you're up at the end of the Saturday, I'm figuring this thing out. Be good on Saturday, and you'll be better on Sunday, right? Because you're not chasing. Um, I thought I was up big. Thought I was going to make some of the money back that I've lost this fall in this learning process. And then, of course, I get overconfident on Sunday and squander it, and I'm net minus a unit or so, yeah. which I won't disclose what the unit is. Um, Did you take Stanford Steve's Yoshida by any chance in the Breeders' Cup? Nah, that pony didn't run. Good, good idea. <laughs> the, pony th the pony ran slow. Yeah, 8 out of 11, I think. Yeah, no, nah, and, and they opened up, I think, 8-1 uh, odds or something. I don't bet ponies, but... Um, not a terrible weekend, not my best. We're going to kind of a mid-major type school, uh, maybe a Virginia Tech type school. Maybe my son will be an engineer. I'm going to educate you on tuition here one of these weeks. But yeah. in-state, if you're going to keep your residence in the Commonwealth yeah. here, it's going to be pretty inexpensive, no matter where you go. Well, my in-state tuition was very low, scholarship. Yeah. 
Um, how about you? Uh, scholarship flex. Trying to get a motherfucking scholarship. <laughs> uh, additionally, this weekend was daylight savings, which I always love because you go out to the bar and I used to salivate at the opportunity to stay out one more hour in college. And it was like Christmas, you know, like another hour of rail vodka. I'm in. Literally the two for one. It's the two for one. 2 a.m. becomes one. But when you get older, like I am now, you're like, fuck this. Does that mean the bar outside my house is going to stay open another hour while I'm trying to sleep? I did go out Saturday night. I did see a lot of confused people when the clock struck one. I think it's the most confused single point in, uh, in American in the American bar scene all year long. Uh, people don't know what they're doing. The lights come on. They're not sure. Uh, I love to see it. Being drunk doesn't help. Uh, but for me, I went home and complained about a bar that's right outside my temporary apartment that can't stop booking DJs that play T-Pain and Soldier Boy. I need to tell you about the Keenan Stadium playlist in Chapel Hill pregame. Bad? Awesome. Really? James Taylor, Eric Church on loop. Just Carolina in my <laughs> mind. No, I'm telling you, it worked. Under the lights, it worked. It was beautiful. My daylight savings. I think you're the demo there. I, I am. <laughs> driving home, fired up after a win, scheduled to get in at 320, 2.20. Yeah, that's a big win. It's also a game changer. It's a big game changer. So a lot of NFL action. Uh, we'll start with what happened last night. Macon, being a Giants fan, um, had an, a function and then had to get home and he, he had the game TiVo'd, which people don't use that phrase anymore. I, I like to use the word TiVo'd. Yeah. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Like I say MapQuest when, when I'm on a – like I MapQuested that destination, and most young people look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, you're good like that. And then I call you, or you call me. One first, of the two. First thing I say is, hello, don't tell me the score. And the next thing you say is, tight game. Which ruined completely ruined. How does the experience that ruin the me? experience? If it weren't tight, wouldn't you want to not watch? No, because I'm just I'm all I'm thinking about is what you said and how is this going to get tighter? Maybe does a black cat run onto the field? Didn't tell you about the black cat. Also, didn't tell you that the game would end up a blowout. Bad beats for a few people last night. Um, mm. You had bad beats on the over on that fumble return for a touchdown. You had a bad beat for anybody who thought the entire game that the Giants, including Stanford Steve, I believe, thought that the Giants were a lock, getting seven points. I stayed away, just wasn't sure. Plus, I have a lot of self-control. That was the right side, though. The Giants were in the red zone all night long and couldn't score touchdowns. Kind of like I was on the right side of Indy in the pick but the greatest kicker in the history of the game shanked a kick to win. And oh. Jacoby Brissett hurt his MCL. You can't control for things like these. These are called variables. Um, well, you can. The Giants could block a little bit better, run the best running back. But as in a the, bettor. In the league. Right. Uh, so, bad night for anybody. I mean, they're, they're going in for the backdoor cover, uh, and then the game gets blown wide open. Since the cat, 34-9. to nine. We mentioned that. Prescott, 173, uh, 173, three touchdowns. Didn't throw the deep ball great. Had a lot of yards after the catch. Big touchdowns to Cooper, Jarwin, Gallup. Gallup's turned into a big weapon for them, and they continue to roll on third down. They're best in the league. Uh, Elliott, season high 139. He's finding his stride. 
And the Cowboys continue to be dominant in the fourth, 21 to three. And 75 to 26 on final quarters this year. Uh, and they continue their dominance over the NFC East, by the way. So much so that when I heard Zeke had, you know, when I was analyzing the Eagles, um, the Eagles and the Cowboys, I didn't realize we'd never beaten Zeke. You know, one time when I was in Philly, we beat the Cowboys. They had Alfred Morris as the running back. We beat them handily. Now that year, of course, we played them week 17 in a sit-everybody game. It's four degrees. And, of course, they, they run me out there like I'm 23 years old to take 55 snaps in sub-zero temperatures. thought that was kind of disrespectful. But that's what happens when you're old in the NFL. Um, I digress. They've won six straight against the Giants, eight straight over NFC East opponents, 14-2 and two in division since 17. It being a two, two-team race, I saw some metrics where their their chances to win the division and, and make the playoffs go up to like 60% after last night's uh, win. So, not good if you're the other NFC East teams, more of the same. Seven takeaways the first, uh, the last two weeks rather, uh, and five in the last six games. They continue to get better. Daniel Jones' turnovers continue. 15 since week three is worse in the league. And, of course, giving up the big plays, Giants defense continues to be, what's an adjective? Porous. I was going to go with another, putrid was going to be the word. Whatever it is, it's gotten them to the sixth spot if the NFL draft happened today. So it's not all bad for Big Blue. No, it ain't all bad. And they've done that quietly without looking like they're tanking. Jets coming up. Because they're not tanking. Big one for the draft. Interesting two trade hauls for the Cowboys made an impact yesterday. Uh, Bennett picked up a sack late uh, in garbage time wearing that number 78. He just insists on wearing the ugliest numbers in football. Well, and the shoulder pads are somehow getting smaller. They are getting smaller. He, he's, he's a guy who goes against the grain. And with the Bill thing shipping him down there, and by the way, I said Robert Quinn is going to be a huge pickup down the line for them, as big as the Cooper trade. Last year on offense, keep watching for it. I loved watching him shake uh, Hernandez's face mask violently last night. I could almost hear the words being whispered into his ear softly. I've, I've heard Robert talk a lot of shit over my time. Lining up with him made me want to jump off the couch. Then I remembered he plays for the Cowboys. No, thank you. Um, with Bill shipping Mike down, I can't figure out, and I know what Mike is. He's a guy who's still got juice and in the right situation, he's not a, I mean, he's not a locker room problem. Uh, I don't know if Bill thought he was a good enough player that didn't fit the scheme and had to ship him, which means he's disrespecting the Cowboys by handing him to him, which means he must not think of a lot of the Cowboys. Or if he thinks Michael's a big problem, he's planting them in a locker room that he respects as far as their chances to make a run. So it's one of two things. Either he doesn't think the Cowboys are very good or he thinks they're good. And he thinks that Mike is that straw that's going to break the camel's back. I don't think that's true. I think Mike has got a lot of good football left in him. He'll rush with Lawrence and with Quinn the rest of the year. Not a good night for Big Blue. But the silver lining, of course, is that you could be in the running to completely whiff on a number six pick. Uh, <laughs> Chase Young sweepstakes. Just yes. stay in the mix. Any FOMO for you seeing Jason Witten's man of the year patch? Not at all. Not at all. I have a heavy-ass trophy. Uh, Man of the Year thing in its entirety made me a little uncomfortable. Uh, I tend to get guilty when I'm praised. It's a weird psychological thing. 
Um, didn't love that whole process. Didn't love the process. Humi- well, humility flex for it's the not man a, of the year. It's it's a it's a it's a socially awkward discomfort, low self esteem flex, mm. self loathing. I also self I'm very self loathing when I watch these pods in the editing bay. I'm like I fucking hate this guy. Who is this guy? Yeah. So if you hate the show, I agree with you. If you think I'm a shithead, I agree with you. Never deserved to wear the patch anyways, but it would have been cool. FOMO. That's all I was looking for. What, when I get no, FOMO I is when I, I, when I see you. people getting buckets, because I know your boy can still get buckets. Okay. Uh, let's do Tuesday Translator. This is a fun segment because there's a lot of quotes, and a lot of it is player and coach speak uh, that comes out of the weekend. I want to start with the Marone quote. And I'll tell you what I think he's thinking. I haven't spoken to either quarterback yet, and I hate talking through the media about my plans, but the plans were, again, the disappointment of the team, not performing well, will be on my mind now for the, the next 48 hours. They just left their home game in London. That's a joke. Most popular team in England. We can talk about that in a moment. Kind of weird. I think that after the 48 hours are over, I'm going to step away a little bit, take a break, blah, 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 blah. I haven't had time to make a decision. He knows exactly what he needs to do. He doesn't want to be disrespectful to Minshew. Also, he might need to run it up the flagpole. Minshew has, has stepped in admirably, shown a lot of promise. I think with Minshew, the reason the Minshew mania happened, of course, is because he's an exciting player. Uh, he also has a mustache. He seems to be authentic and fun. People like that. He also makes a lot of plays off schedule, and everybody knows off schedule plays are rated higher than on time plays. Everybody loves that stuff. But in general, not good enough. When he didn't have a 75 yard rusher or 75 yards rushing in total, he wasn't as good. Ton of metrics show that a guy that was playing complimentary football this entire stint needed a run game. Go figure. But sometimes we get swept up in the wins. His ratings against the Saints and Texans, respectively, were 51 and 59. Not good. Houston, who he just laid an egg to uh, in London, gives up the third most passing yards in the league. Uh, And his last six starts, he's had one game with a completion center uh, percentage over 60. So everybody that gets really overreactive to these young QBs and the brand, just remember that you have a Super Bowl MVP waiting in the wings, so you paid $88 million and threw his last pass to the corner of the end zone for a touchdown week one against the Chiefs as his clavicle exploded, and he'll be back. You got to see what you got in the guy you paid 88 mil. Minshew, nice piece, could be a trade piece, could be a backup, could be your answer. Give the guy you paid $88 million a chance, and I think Marone, all he's saying is, I don't want to do it at the podium right now. I have a bye week as an out. Let's just wait. Aaron Rodgers. Had an interesting quote this weekend. We've got to be honest with our routine and the decisions we made in the last 48 hours and make sure that our head is in the right place the next time we come on a big road trip. Message. Aaron Rodgers is very intentional. So what he's doing here is he's sending a message. I hate putting words in people's mouth, but this is the entire premise of the segment. He's saying he's not a fan, I think. Disclaimer, I think. I haven't confirmed that they go out on Fridays, but a lot of teams go out to the West Coast for two-day trips. Playing in the NFC West as a Ram in St. Louis, every trip was like three hours. We would go out on Friday nights. I personally loved it. 
great night to gobble melatonin or Lunesta, sit in a nice fluffy hotel bed. We had an owner that would spend uh, and enjoy the West Coast. I might go walk around, go shopping, and I love San Francisco. Great city. Did you have a roommate? No roommates. Your uh, entire like, career? Early on, I had Cliff Ryan. He snored so much. I made him, well, no, that was Brian Leskinek in college. Brian Leskinek snored so much, I made him sleep in the bathroom. He would mm. sleep in the tub. I would sleep in the room. In the pros, earplugs, sound machine, to no avail. Cliff Ryan was like a Cummins diesel. Wow. Just, and this was when I was young. When you get old enough, you don't have a roommate. Um, great sleep on West Coast trips. Love the camaraderie. We might go out to dinner on Friday. Saturday, I'm locked down, meetings, etc. It breaks it up because what you hate to do as a football player, you hate to sit on a plane in a pressurized metal tube for three to five hours the day before you're supposed to be at your peak performance, shortening your hips, sitting down, all that good stuff. Add to it the dehydration, the lack of sleep, the time zone. These teams hire all these sports scientists who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, coach, we need to go out the day before. We need to fly out from Philly. We need to get out there the night before we play the Chargers. Don't even give the body time to realize it's on another time zone. Well, guess what else the body doesn't know? Why it's been sitting down for eight hours. And you want me, old man, to open my hips up tomorrow and let those things fire? That's not the way this works. I think Aaron Rodgers, though, is saying it's less about the physical. It sounded like the team wasn't focused. It sounded like maybe some guys hit the supper club. Friend of the program, the supper club. That's two references of the supper club this season in green light. Um, well, this isn't a season. It's going to be a continual show. Aaron Rodgers is saying that guys are distracted. They go out to dinner, et cetera, which I'm not a big fan of. You've got a game to play. It's a business trip. Get there. Be in your room by 9, 10 o'clock. He's sending that message to the coach. Don't do that next time. It's not baking in an excuse. I think Aaron's also saying that this is not a letdown. We know the Chargers are good, even though they haven't played well. This is when they get hot. And this is when Phillip Rivers usually turns it around. We saw it in 17. They had a new coordinator. Not sure what happens there. I think Aaron's just saying team wasn't quite ready. I was, though. This was also their first two-game roadie of the year. Yeah. At Chiefs, at Chargers, they'll do it twice more. They're home for Carolina this coming week, then at San Francisco, at New York Giants, close of the year at Minnesota, at Detroit. So he's saying, next time, player ops guy, yeah, whatever your title is, let's do it differently. Let's get it right. And I think when you're Aaron Rodgers, you might have a chance to bend that cat's ear. And next, a lot on a lot lighter note. My franchise fantasy quarterback, Jameis Winston, blessing us with his wordsmith abilities. Is always full because just because it's might be full, half full of water, it's still full of air. So we got to keep that glass full. We got to keep a chip on our shoulder, and we got to find a way to get a win. Is that a riddle? That's brilliant. It's brilliant. You're you're on board with this. One hundred percent. Tell me why. You cannot ever show me for the rest of our lives an empty glass. It's full of air. Full. Didn't know he was into physics. Oh, I love it. Is that physics? Now, if you're translating it, it's we're bad. We're two and six, and I'm going to distract you by with this making, philosophy. 
<laughs> I mean, we, he he goes from eating W's, yeah, to, um, to basically defying. Well, it's not defying physics; just pointing us that he's smarter than us. Yeah, I mean, this guy is thinking on another level. Are you out on a glass half empty? I just know if I said that, everybody would think I was high. Being total, well, yeah, you're kind of in that lane these days. Big drug guy. Surprised I'm able to do this pod. Let's get to Freddie Kitchens. Um, Freddie Kitchens has been a hot topic really bad this year with the Browns, and he's made a lot of mistakes. When he took over, or when Baker took over last year, uh, and Kitchens was responsible for the offense, you know, you go from running back coach to offensive coordinator to head coach in this quick time period, it's, it's a fast process. Tony Dungy talked about it the other night. He said uh, he waited in the wings four years. This isn't an overnight thing, and we're seeing it on the field. It seems like Kitchens is in over his head. I'm not being gratuitous or piling it on him. He's made a lot of decision-making mistakes that have turned a team that could be just mediocre into a bad team. Uh, they were 3-1 and one in their final seven games last year in one-score ball games. They're 0-3 this year. The offense is way different. 5-2 and two down the stretch last year. Number three in total offense at 396 yards. They are way down there, 50 yards down there. Um, last year, they were first in yards per play in that span. Only gave up three sacks. This year, they're way down in yards per play. They've given up 23 sacks already. And they were just generally a lot different. And they gave us good reason to get excited about the Browns. This year, we talked about it. Probably biggest letdown, biggest disappointment. One of them. And Hugh had a two-year leash. Um, was fired midseason. I think Kitchens could be fired during the season this year. I don't think it's premature. I understand building, but when you exhibit that you have something there and then you regress like this and your job is the offense, it's not good because they have some pieces on defense. We haven't even talked about that. Vernon, Miles, uh, Ogunjobi, some good players in the back end. But they seem like they have been collecting talent rather than building a team, and that's the problem. When you talk to people that know, and this isn't me being a homer, I love Greg Williams. Greg Williams had been a head coach before. He buttoned that organization up. And what it sounded like is that he simplified things for the offense. He said, we're going to beat defenses by getting a ball out quicker. We're going to simplify things for Baker. We're not going to have pre-snap stuff. We're going to post fines. We're going to make it known that you can't do the little stuff wrong here, and that's everything they've done wrong this year. Yeah, the last coach with a winning record in Cleveland who was not named Greg Williams in an interim role, Marty Schottenheimer, 84-88. to 88. That's wow. I mean, that's just wow. And, uh, and I think Greg deserves some credit there because that was under his watch. I know there's another year of figuring things out with Baker and the offense, but it hasn't been the same. Let's get to an offense that is clicking, my MVP pick, in Russell Wilson. Um, I, I said last week he should be MVP. Lamar's performance doesn't change anything for me because as mobile as Russ can be, he's one of the best throwers in the league. He only ran once, really, in that big victory against Tampa this weekend that they spotted him a bunch of points, eventually went to overtime, and they pulled out the win. Tampa blitzed him 74% of the time. That's the most any team's blitzed another team since 2016. That's pretty damn aggressive. He 
through three tuds against blitz looks. He hit a practice squad tight end a bunch of times. He was distributing the ball beautifully. And again, that one big run was in a key situation. That B gap, it gets big. I've seen it a million times. And he exploits it. I've been the victim of that when that gap opens up, watching Russ just run through it, uh, rush lanes time and time again. He's got a great feel for things. And as you look at Seattle this year, I don't know that they're a Super Bowl contender because of that defense, but if he had that defense he had back in the day, they're my odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl because that offense has been explosive. If they get Gordon and it works out, and by the way, I don't think the Gordon thing in New England was behavior from what I hear. I think it was more that he looks a little heavy. He's not separating the way he used to. I think the cult of Seattle and Russell and Pete, it's a good destination for Josh. And if they can turn that around, he's probably their biggest wide receiver newcomer name-wise and ability-wise that they've had since their tenure. And that's amazing that they've done this over and over again. Russell's been the, the, uh, the common thread, but they've overcome the implosion of LOB. They blew the defense up. They shipped guys out. Marshawn Lynch leaving turned it into a totally different team. But since he came in a league, Russell's second in, in wins behind Tom Brady with 82. I think Tom has 91. They've also done a really good job of drafting and developing wide receivers. I mean, they've missed some. Their biggest miss would be Percy Harvin. Doug Baldwin, undrafted. Uh, obviously, to this year with Metcalf, who people didn't quite think would be this good. And that looks like an iconic connection that will happen for some time between the two players in Russell and DK. Uh, they also groomed Lockett from the draft and Golden Tate, of course. They seem to get guys that aren't necessarily the sexiest as far as the measurables until DK. Um, they're more catch radius guys or they're stretch the field guys. They're not necessarily route runners. Um, they're not guys you knew would be great because plays break down there. You got to almost be better at playing backyard school ball with Russell as QB than a concise route runner. And that's why I think uh, they've been so creative and interesting. When you look at those lines this year, uh, their offensive line is two free agents, one traded player, and two drafted. The Super Bowl line was two Carroll draft, one pre Carroll, and one undrafted free agent, or two, three undrafted free agents. So over his span, Nine receivers have caught at least five touchdowns. Four receivers have caught at least 10 touchdowns. He's been under siege. He's given up the most sacks in the NFL. They've run the ball effectively. But Russell is the common thread. I think it's really interesting how Seattle has disregarded or been bad up front. And they've just nailed these skill position guys, including Carson, who's a seventh rounder and ran for 115 on that Tampa Bay defense and completes their offense. And if Josh Gordon's good, this will be the best offense they've ever had. They don't really have a tight end threat like they had in Jimmy Graham. But, man, Russ looks awesome, and he deserves even more credit. Quick hitter on the spot. Who is most responsible for culture generally? Is it players? Is it a leader like Russ? Coaches, head coach, front office? I think it starts with the front office um, because you have to bring in a coach that's going to be intentional about the culture, and it trickles down. It's, uh, it's like a machine that can't work without the other piece. Um, but what I get annoyed about some coaches is they want their players to be bad guys and set the tone. You have to do some of that as a coach. You can be a good guy, but you have to be able to do the bad guy thing, which a lot of coaches actually struggle with. 
I think Pete's done a great job. So another MVP candidate, quick hit here. Lamar Jackson, who has entered the chat, so to speak, in the MVP conversation. I said yesterday on the Ryan Rosillo pod that Greg Roman, the wizard, the coordinator in Baltimore, who's turned this into a powerhouse machine, has Lamar now. He had Cap in San Francisco, and I think he has somebody more dynamic now. It's hard to argue with that, but some people on Twitter.com took issue with that. It's not a shade thing. I'm not throwing shade at Cap. Was a big fan of Cap's. He's done a lot for the sport. Um, and he was the trendsetter. One thing Lamar is not, he doesn't have the element of surprise. When Cap took the league by storm, that big win in Green Bay or against Green Bay in the playoffs, that Super Bowl run, this was new. This is not new now with Lamar. And he's still doing it. The throwing statistics, if you took Cap's best year, 2013, the year they went to the Super Bowl, and you took this year with Lamar in his second season, prorated it out for 16 games, forecasted it. Lamar has more yards a game. He's got more yards. He's on pace for 3,600. More touchdowns with 24. Higher completion rate with 64. Comparable yard per uh, attempt. Cap had two yards more in yards per catch. And the interception rate is very low at two for both guys. Lamar has the higher QBR. They're both winners. Their first 15 games, Cap, uh, or the first 16 games, Lamar's 12 and four, Cap's 11 and five. The interesting thing about this is that the defense was better in San Francisco and the pieces around Cap was better in San Francisco. On that 2012 team, they had 10 first rounders or something. The 2013 team, they still had like five or seven. And when you're throwing the ball to Crabtree, Ted Ginn, Randy Moss, Delaney Walker was the backup tight end, the rotational tight end. They used two tight end sets there, but Vernon Davis was your guy, prime Vernon Davis, and Frank Gore, a prime Frank Gore. Greg Roman's done a great job in both situations, but it's not out of the question, especially because Cap, his rushing numbers in 13 have already been eclipsed in eight games by Lamar. It's not out of the question, and it's not a hot take to say Lamar is more dynamic and is going to give Greg Roman a lot more to work with. That's not saying Cap's a bad player. Cap was a great player in stretches. Lamar has a chance to totally set this league on fire, and I'm not being reactive to last night, although that, or two nights ago, although that was something else. And the Ghostbuster theme, the flickering lights. If I'm a 13 year old and I don't have a, a favorite team, I'm a free agent. I'm a Ravens fan. Pretty awesome to watch. They affect the power rankings. We will get into my quick power rankings, making you tell me if I'm crazy on any of this. I'll be fast. I hate power rankings because they're, they're not defined correctly. I'm, not, I'm saying this is the team with the best chance to make a run. That's how I'm rating this, which is why I go New Orleans, San Francisco, then I go New England, Baltimore, and Kansas City. And I know everybody's saying, how is Baltimore behind New England? If they beat them, that's not the way this thing works. Baltimore is the worst matchup for New England. Baltimore also lost to Cleveland. Baltimore also barely beat Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. They've had high highs in beating Seattle by two touchdowns and New England, obviously, in that route on Sunday night. So as you look at it, their highs are highs, their lows are low. Off potential, I got to put them in the top five, but I want to see them do this the rest of the year. 
Kansas City rounding out the top five, jumping around here. Andy Reid, he's going to have you in any ball game. It's a lot like the Sean Payton thing, overcoming the uh, the Breeze loss. He's got Matt Moore slinging the ball around the yard like he's Joe Montana, and the defense is improving. The weakness would be the defense, but it's improving. At three, I got the Pats. They have the most bad matchups out of any team in the top five. I worry about them playing Baltimore again in the playoffs. With that stat um, that I'm going to talk about in a minute, I think they're three and six against teams that they've lost to in the regular season once they see them in the postseason. So to think that Bill's just going to wave a magic wand and it's going to be fixed, it's not necessarily true. At two, we got San Francisco. They're going to be a matchup problem for a lot of teams. They're going to create matchup problems for Baltimore, I believe, when they see each other in a few weeks. And then New Orleans first off. Most complete team in the league. I don't want to say nobody's talking about them. People are talking about them. But they're built like an old New England team. They don't have a lot of weaknesses. They could be better in the red zone. I think a team that might give them matchup problems, we already saw that last year, was the Rams, whose defense is getting better, and they're stopping the run. So all five teams there, New Orleans, San Francisco, New England, Baltimore, and then Kansas City, they all have matchup problems. I don't think anything's a sure thing. There's more of a toss-up this year than any year in recent history, and I love it. That's the power rankings. Let's get Rob Ninkovich on the line to weigh in on the Pats, the number three team on my power rankings. Once it's in the power rankings, it is law. That's the way this works. Welcoming to the program, multiple-time Super Bowl champion, my bash brother, longtime Patriot, Rob Ninkovich, one of my favorite WDEs. Rob, how you doing? What's up, Chris? I'm doing great. Do you, see a, awesome. do you see a resurgence in the WDE position right now in the NFL? The Bosa brothers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. I mean, I, I look, there's, there's always been a good crew of WDEs in the NFL. So it's just, I think the tradition continues. A Cou- couple unicorns there. Hey, Rob, we were talking about the, uh, the, the parade that we, we shared, you and I, uh, a few years back. What was your favorite memory from that day? My favorite memory? I mean, I think it was probably climbing. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we were on the duck boat, and yeah. there's, like, a tarp that goes out over the rest of the duck boat that yes. you're not supposed to actually put body weight on, and 500 pounds of WDE <laughs> crawled out there. Just effort out there on the, just high-motor well, effort. I- something that could potentially have collapsed and we would have fallen through it it was all it was was it was a tarp it was just basically a white tarp well we 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 had the liquid courage you had that baby pull of vodka that went viral like a little nip you know just (laughs) it's a a, a nip by the way it's not a nip (laughs) by the way i like i like the studio we moved you upstairs because we were having technical difficulties here at green light uh i love i love seeing the baby pictures you are a prolific dad let's be a Shout out to Via, shout out to Paige, Everett, the whole gang. Um, Rob, how rough is that plane ride home for the Patriots and then the, the meeting the next day? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I think that when you play a team, a good team, sometimes the ride when you just get your ass kicked isn't that bad. You're like, hey, we literally just got our butts kicked. Like, let's go back and let's watch the tape and let's make sure that, you know, we do the right things here moving forward. So, you know, I, I think that they're a team that they've experienced 
things like this. They've experienced a loss, a tough loss, and it sucks it's the first one of the season. But, you know, again, they have a long way to go. And look, that coaching staff, Bill, he understands it's just a little bump, a little hiccup. So now they got to go watch the film, correct things that they didn't do well, knowing that they might see these guys again next next in the postseason. And and that and that meeting's no joke though. That big big room meeting. I used to be scared shitless when I run. I'd come <laughs> in the meeting. I remember after that Buffalo game that we didn't play well on defense. Uh, yeah. When when uh, when Brady was out and we lost, that was one of the longest meetings of my life. I think I held my breath. I was like one of those. Uh, I was like like one of those guys holding their breath underwater uh, in, in, in a glass box in Vegas. But I was in I was in the, the big meeting room. It was a nightmare. Well, I think the worst part about that is if you really have to go pee because you can't get up. <laughs> can't like, if, you, if you like sit down and it's an hour, some of the, those meetings after a game could be a, an hour yep. of stop Bill talking one hour start to finish. And you sit down with like five minutes in and you start to feel a little pain. Then you know <laughs> that I have like 55 minutes of just excruciating pain because when he's on a tangent and he's yelling or he's getting after somebody, Nobody stands up. Nobody. Nobody leaves. You can't leave. You cannot leave. So if you are retching in pain, having to go to the bathroom, one or two, you just have to deal with it. And it, I've had some serious painful moments in my career. Well, yeah, some of the older players with enlarged prostates like yourself towards the end, probably that was really rough. It's like, <laughs> it's like at the movie theaters, though, when you're like trying to eat your popcorn and it's quiet or like you want to take a sip of your drink and you're like, oh, man, I got to pick the scene where the ice. Like, do I do it while he's screaming or do I do it while he's dead silent? And I hope it's not me. Um, I, I have an issue. I mean, I have many issues. I have an issue at sitting. Like, if I'm sitting at a breakfast table, like, say, my dad's eating Cheerios, I just, I zone in on, like, the sound of, of everything. And it bothers me. It's like he eats these crisp picks. And I'm like, the crunchiest things in the world. Yeah. I want to say, can you get up and go somewhere else? Can you go in the other room, please? And you won't say you won't say that to your dad because he's a total badass. He has a tattoo. He has two. Ta I, I, talk I, about. I, can you talk about his tattoo combo? I'll tell you. He's got a he's got an eagle on a branch, U.S. Navy underneath it. Shark that when I was a kid, the shark would come alive and bite you. It would bite <laughs> you. So like, if you go to touch it, it go bite you. It go bite you. And then and then he's got. Black Panther on the forearm, which at night it would come alive. So you better stay. You better stay in bed, or else the Panther's gonna crawl all around and he's gonna get you. This explains a lot about your psyche today. Um, yes. When you play a team like the Ravens, and they expose you a little bit, I know Chubb had a good day on the ground. The Ravens had their way on the ground as well. That defense being a little bit more back end heavy. And up front, uh, hey, Paige, she's in the background. Uh, <laughs> party Paige! Uh, so, wave, baby, got a wave. <laughs> hey, Paige, welcome to Greenlight. Um, uh, so, so, essentially, you get exposed a little bit. I know that a Pats fan, you know, defense on Monday morning is, well, Bill didn't give them the whole game plan. They'll be ready next time. What did they expose them on, and can they fix it? Well, I mean, I think with that coaching staff, with Bill as the as the D coordinator, many things can be fixed and corrected with, with your game plan. But, you know, I think in that game, when you're playing against an offense that isn't really a, a north-south, it's east and west, and then they pick and choose when they want to come straight at you downhill. 
the the east west stuff the sideline the sideline um it's tough because they're running that option they have a quarterback that can keep the ball and then they have an extra blocker in front of him so it's really hard to game plan against that because you don't see that they haven't seen it yet during this season um so when you're playing that spread speed type offense where like the quarterback can keep it then give up then pitch as a defensive end or outside linebacker you're trying to run and you're trying to get out there and you're going and yeah it doesn't look fun it doesn't look fun and then guess what the next play they don't go outside they just go straight down the middle and everyone's running so it's it's tough um you know calvinoy and dante hightower and jamie collins um, you know, they're bigger guys. They're, they're 250, 60, 265. You know, they're not your small inside, like 235 pound linebackers no. that, that are four, three run guys. They're like more stout and set up to stop powered downhill running game. Um, so I think right there, I mean, you see a little bit of the, the deficiencies and just being able to, if you stop your feet against the Ravens, if you stop your feet, there's no way you can get back to the edge because yeah. everyone's Fast. I mean, I saw, you know, they, they zoomed in on uh, Lawrence Guy and in that option situation, it's like, I'm reading my keys. I don't know what to do. The, the block disappears down. I'm looking for the puller. The puller passes me by and then I'm face to face with Lamar and he pitches the ball like it's 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 a cheat code. And Greg Roman had that in San Francisco, but he had more of a power game primarily and they can do more with Lamar, like getting extra blockers, which you mentioned before to me is like, explain that in the option game, how they, how they cheat a little bit and grab an extra blocker. Yeah. So, you know, a normal quarterback or when you play anybody except for the Ravens, they're always handing the football off. So the quarterback, he's not really, you know, so there's 10 guys on the field really that you have to worry about when you are playing Lamar and he keeps the football and they run say a power, then they have an extra blocker. They have one extra guy that, that can do something else. So maybe the guy can flash across. Maybe you're on a two by two deuce on set where both tight ends are on and they're doing flash action. And then the quarterback just keeps it and goes right up the middle. And then the running back who's right next to him is like the lead blocker. So Mm -hmm. it's hard to, to stop that, that because there's an extra guy and in the box you're used to, okay, I just need to defeat. If there's a fullback there, that's my guy. But yeah, they're, say they're in 22 personnel, they have a fullback, then they have a back, then they have the quarterback. The quarterback just keep the ball, and then they have two blockers that are coming up yeah. through the line um, to try and block the linebackers. So Yeah, it's simple math. I mean, Greg Roman makes it look confusing at times, and they get to a lot of different looks to get to different runs, and that's one thing that Ingram talked about preseason. And by the way, Ingram's been as good an offensive free agent pickup as, as there is in football because, as you said, he allows them to go downhill. Um, yeah. When when they when they break this tape down, they're gonna maybe see him again. I think you can you can bet on that. And with the with the Ravens track record, as we talked about early in the show, uh, it might not be in Baltimore. It's probably gonna be in Foxborough. Now yeah. the Pats are three and six against teams that they have lost to in the regular season when they see them in the playoffs. Is this gonna be different? And and first off, can you name the last five teams they lost to? in the playoffs that they lost to in the regular season because you lost to a couple of them, not to get personal. Jets. Jets, 2010. Giants. Giants. Super Bowl. Ravens. Ravens. AFC Championship. Um, uh, Broncos. Broncos. And there's one more. This is even before you played. Uh, Before me. 
Uh, no, it wasn't. I was thinking uh, Panthers, not the Panthers. 2006 Colts. Colts. Yeah, exactly. So can it be different for them this postseason when they see him again? <clears throat> well, you know, there's one thing that, that is out of everyone's control. And, and when you're playing in New England, it's Mother Nature. So when you're playing. Yeah, I hear it's cold. They, they love to tell you it's cold up there. It's a little chilly. It's a little windy. But in all seriousness, like when you're running that option, that pitch option type, that that's so whenever you you've never really seen that in the NFL because there's always there's one extra mistake that can happen or a fumble or a turnover because of the fact that you're reading and you're pitching and the ball's not forward. It's always going kind of backwards. So it yeah. could be a potential fumble. Um, so I think that that's why in the NFL, you've never really seen that college look um, transfer because of the fact that if you turn the ball over twice in an NFL game, you're probably going to lose. Right. Um, so I think that the weather could have something to do. If it's raining and nasty and windy, that might limit some of the plays that you can run. But when you can run the football and, and you have the ability to just line up and run and gain five four to five yards every time that you run the football, you have a chance anytime you're playing. So, right. um, you know, there's a lot of people asking me about this game and, and the matchup and who's going to win. And the only thing that I would say to everybody is if they stop the run, they'll win. And they weren't able to stop the run. So. And, and they've been, and they've been surprisingly subpar in yards per carry uh, this year, New England defensively. Uh, they, yeah. were, they were leaky in the Buffalo game wide open in in the Cleveland game and again wide open this week um what do you see down the line for New England as a potential trouble matchup for them in the regular season well I mean I think that Dallas could be an issue I, I mean I think Philly could be tr tough because they have a good offensive line um you know when you you look at some of the teams that could run the football that's always a, a tough task um especially especially you go eight games and everything's perfect and it looks awesome and you're stopping everybody and you have a nickname and then you go and you play somebody and it doesn't look so good. Now they have a bye week. I'm sure this bye week is going to be a little bit more interesting as far as what they're doing. I'm sure they're going to have an extra practice, maybe a, one less full day off because of the fact that they do have a tough, a tough stretch coming up here where it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Um, and now they're going to, now they're in the, the meat of the, the season where they're playing some tough teams, teams that are known to run the football and their last game of the year is against Buffalo. And if Buffalo keeps playing well, there's no, okay, let's rest somebody in the last game of the year. Let's try and recover for the final, push which is, which has been big in the past there. Huge, huge. Because if you're playing, you know, Miami or Buffalo and they're, they're, you know, with two or three wins or four wins, there's no chance that they're, they're not doing anything. You go out there and you kind of know, okay, like let's get through this game so we can get into the playoffs healthy. But this year it looks like they're going to have to play th the rest Down of the Down to the wire to, to get that home field. They're going to have to play this whole thing out, and you don't know what's going to happen. You look around the NFL right now. Texans look pretty dang good. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of teams that potentially, as this season progresses, that they're going to be a better team – than what the Patriots thought they were going to face at the end of the year. Right. And and they're going to play more quarterbacks who have hit puberty. Um, they're going to play better football teams. Uh, I think it could get interesting down the stretch for them. 
Uh, I, I don't know what you do with the boogeyman t-shirts. I think, you know, to be fair, the Ravens had a couple bad games that historic year. Uh, they could re recover offensively on the other side of the ball. Receiver has been an issue. Um, offensive line has been an issue. I was surprised they didn't make a move before the, before the trade deadline. What's going on with that, with that number one spot that they've been trying to sec secure. You've got Neil coming back. You let Gordon walk. Evidently it's not behavior. It's that he just couldn't separate the same as he used to. Um, and, and then fans want Antonio Brown back. That's a joke. But anyway, um, to the receiving stuff, I think, look, they have Julian, which is their go-to guy. Um, you lose a guy like Gronkowski, who is the best tight end to ever play the game. Agreed. And the best tight end. And, you know, you, you draft a first-round receiver, the highest they've ever drafted a receiver. He goes down on IR with an injury. He's going to come back. Looks like he's going to be back soon. Um, the Josh Gordon thing, look, I mean – was he the same player that he was before all the issues and the time away from the game? No, he wasn't. Well, that happens when you're a little bit older. Um, you know, do I think they could have done that a little bit better? Sure. I mean, your guy went down trying to make a tackle on an interception and then you cut him, he never plays again. So, I mean, I think that's something. They go out and they get Sanu, who Sanu, you know, he can play outside, he can play inside. Yeah, he, 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 he's, he's the perfect type of Patriot. Which is why I think that was a really good trade for them. Not well, on the hook for a lot of money. Six this year, six next year. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, Jules has to play outside more too now, which is a, a ripple effect. Is your your best target has got to do more of what he doesn't do as well. And I like Philip Dorsett. Like I think he gets lost in the shuffle here. Nobody really talks about him. I think he's a good football player. And then a lot of like a lot of teams. James White is basically a receiver to me. Yes. You know, coming out of the backfield, we saw a beautiful wheel route um, against Earl Thomas for a great catch over Earl Thomas. So, you know, I think when you see him, he's not your conventional running back to me. He's more of a slot catch and run screen. When I see him in the game third and long, I'd be saying, all right, he's they're running a screen. They're doing some type of catch and run thing. Um, he's not running the ball downhill on you. So, you look at their receiving core, I think that they have the potential to be a lot better with Harry coming back from IR. You got Sanu. So you'll have Julian, Sanu, Harry, that you can do different things with those guys. You can put them together in bunch sets and do all your pick routes. You got you can put them on opposite ends of the field and run your crossing routes. Um, I think the one thing that they are missing is a tight end. They don't have a tight end. They don't right. have somebody that scares you at tight end. Um, so... That is probably one of the biggest issues that they've never had to deal with. They've always had a tight end like, hey, Grunk, go run a, go run straight at the goalpost and then the over is open or yep. Julian wide open. Yep. So every defense that they're playing now, they can say, okay, don't worry about, I mean, nothing against Ben Watson, but he's not Grunk. No, I mean, no, no one is. And, and, and to your point, a lot of people who benefited from having Gronk around are trying to Work around that. We talked about the offense. They've got issues running the football. I said that, not you. Um, you know, the, the receiving core issues are developing, and the tight end uh, the tight end absence has affected them. Real quick before I let you go, how about a prediction for New England Philly? Um, I think they get back on track. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I, I think that um, they're going to have Harry back. They'll have Sanu. They're going to have some pieces back. They might have 
you know, uh, their starting win. They might have their starting tackle back who, yes, he hasn't played yet, but you look at their offensive line, they've been beat up really well. No, no um, David Andrews at se the center position. We all know how important that position is. It just is getting everyone help and talking and making sure all the communication is clear. Um, then you lose your starting tackle, who's Tom's blindside protection. Um, so you got guys in there that really wouldn't be in there if there was injuries that, that hadn't happened. So, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a, a tight game. I'm taking the Patriots 24-21. So it's going to wow. be close. A three-point game. Tight ball game. Yeah. They, they, they play the Pats that well. They'll be selling a lot of hope in Philly because the Pats are still a great football team. Thanks for joining us, Rob. We'll have you on soon. Talk Pats and more. Uh, and I will maybe see you in Philly for that game. Maybe. I'll take the train in. Step Brothers. Step Brothers reunited. Rob, have a great day. Shout out to Paige. <sighs> see ya. <laughs> so this is a segment called Where Are You On? Mick, where are you on this pod? Mostly in. Okay. Still like a, uh, what do they call this period where you could still bring it back? You could return the product. Right. Um, I was going to go honeymoon period. Yeah, we're definitely in the honeymoon stage here. Uh, I know you're very passionate about uniforms, also basketball courts. We'll get to that in, in hoop season, but I wouldn't call you a snob. I'm not a snob, but I certainly think this hurts my eyes. Uh, this is <sighs> Eastern Michigan and Buffalo with the touche. I think we'll go with our all grays this week on your gray ass field. I mean, yeah. this, this is terrible. Yeah. It looks like a fancy picture that has been highlighted. Like they highlighted the, to show yeah. like, this is where the, the Eastern Michigan offense really starts to get rolling down 20, 29 to seven to Buffalo serves you right for having a grayscale playing field. Um, I would rather play on that field though, than this abomination. Uh awful lava i see lava i see red construction paper when i was a kid flashbacks and then of course they wear the all red uniforms yeah boise's been doing it longer than anybody a lot of birds catching l's on that field yeah broncos occasionally catch a catch an l from the from the wahoos from the wahoos yeah i'm out on all of it i'm out on all of it it's very gimmicky Blue if I had to choose, though. I'm out on the rugs in general. Where's natural grass? I'm totally with you. Yeah. I fear for the day that I have to watch every game on field turf. Talk to me about rubber pellets. I've had rubber pellets so far up my sinus <laughs> passage, whatever you want to call that. I've had a rubber pellet come out six days later. Uh. Evidently, they're like carcinogens. Um, so it turns out packing the occasional dip is not as dangerous as playing football on artificial turf. Yeah. Universal um, hard out on colored fields. Not liking it. Um, how about group celebration pictures? Where all, are you? All in. All in on them. I'm all in on them. Um, you know, the, the giants took, when was that? Yeah, that's that's a file photo from seven <laughs> to eight years ago. Is that Matthias Kiwanuka? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I like it. You know, I have a uh, a group picture back here um, of the Eagles defensive line. We used to do one every 
every week in 2017, I'm really happy we took them. Even if the year didn't, didn't turn out great, what's wrong with being confident and celebrating a win? Uh, and before you say, well, the Pats don't do it, I've seen them doing great group celebrations, the boogeyman thing, uh, which of course, again, the Ravens one-upping with the Ghostbusters theme was sensational. Speaking of a Patriots cast-off, not a cast-off, somebody that escaped the no-fun zone, as some people would call it. I think it was very fun there. Brian Flores, mm. uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. They got the first win. Look at him overcome with joy there. Yeah. Getting doused with citrus cooler. Yeah. What do you make of that? The uh, winless teams catching a, uh, a Gatorade bath. All in again. In the, in the no-fun league, I'm all in on fun infusion. When you, you probably got, how many times do you get fined for spat oh yeah being the wrong color so so when i was with nike they don't like you spatting which is taping over your cleats it makes me feel good i don't want to tape underneath um also i think it helps my swag it can help your swag they told me i needed to stop spatting or i'd lose my contract i said well i guess i'm not a nike guy anymore i guess i need to get with new balance mm. um because look good feel good play good is absolutely true. Don't know what to make of the league telling uh, Odell and Jarvis to get their cleats off. Right. Just find them to high heaven. Do we really need to? Um, I am all about Gatorade bass for bad teams. People are so fucking hypocritical. These guys don't even care. They're professionals. They're making a bunch of money. They can't even get excited. They can't win a game. All this stuff. All this reverse classes stuff that people apply to football. Uh, and they win a game. You guys all make them the meme. You guys say they're going to 16. What's a little citrus cooler going to hurt anybody? Yeah. Get excited. That means they're passionate. That completely disproves your, your slant. And I love it. And then the hottest topic in the NFL this week, Khalil Max Halloween etiquette. First off, it's snowing. I'll say that one. Oh, no. What'd they tell Not you to on say? this day. This house isn't doing Halloween this year. Oh, no way. What if I give you a bag of candy to hand out just to be neighborly? Can we do that? It's so unneighborly. He's, it's legitimately the only house in the whole neighborhood not handing out candy. Really? Yes. All I know is I was just asked to stand out here and say this house isn't participating this year. Wow, brutal. I hope he moves really soon. <laughs> what a dumbass that guy is narrating that video. Mean. Just a dumbass. Like, what do you think? Like, you know whose house it is. What do you think people do when, when they know the most famous defensive football player in the last 20 years in the city of Chicago, which is rabid for football, you know where his house is. The Bears are struggling. What do you want him to do? Dress up for you? He's also doxed my man's house now. Yes. He's been on the GIS. Beautiful house, by the way. Located the address. Blasted it on the internet. 
Now everybody knows where Khalil lives. And everybody thinks Khalil's a bad guy. Like, what do you want him to do, bro? There's also a whole thing. Well, he's the only he's the only house in the in in the neighborhood not doing Halloween. He's the only famous person in your neighborhood. You're not you would not care if it was a random house and the lights weren't on. You wouldn't even bother. You knew walking up, Khalil Mack, the Bears are struggling. I'm mad. I'm probably a, a degenerate gambler, and the Bears are losing me money. So I'm going to weaponize children to down Khalil Mack and dox his domicile. Hot take, especially after our last episode. Halloween's awful, okay? It's no good. So um, I'm in full support of is this Khalil an, is on this one. Or, and and we, is he under contract? I, at one point, said no Halloween one year. No lights, wasn't present, and came home to a pumpkin smashed on my front door. That's the appropriate response. You don't go put me on the internet. Nobody cares where I live. I back Khalil. Yeah, Chicago. That's why you can't have nice things, I guess. Really dumb. I'm actually triggered, as they would say. I'm all about Halloween. I'm all about Khalil Mack. Uh, that guy can keep walking. On to shit I saw. So we did fears last week because uh, it was Halloween. I, I hope nobody watching last week's pod thought that we were just doing that for no reason. That's not what this pod's going to be like. There's a lot of hard-hitting analysis. It won't just be snakes and spiders and costumes. Uh, this week, it's another one of my greatest fears. It's mayonnaise. Disgusting. So some people just want to see the world burn. Um, that is just... It's, it's gross. It's worth going to hell. Yeah. That's what they make hell for. That's People fair. that eat mayonnaise at sporting events out of a tub. I will point out that somebody claims that that was an act. Yeah. I don't mean to hijack. Remember about four years ago at age 30, you claimed you had never had mustard? Never had mustard. And now you have had mustard. I like mustard. Yeah. Mustard. Great. Great. Mayonnaise. Not great. Awful. Mayonnaise, I would. I've never eaten a sandwich with mayonnaise on it. Wouldn't do it. You probably have. Have not. Maybe when I was a kid, but the first time I did it was the last time I did it. Um, aioli. Not a fan of aioli. That's good. Do you like aioli? Ah. We have some things to tell you about aioli afterwards. Uh, also, big fan of chicken salad. Big, big fan of tuna salad. Not mayonnaise, though. Yeah, and you you have this cleared every time you eat it. Yeah, got to got to get that out there about to dig into some tuna salad. No mayo was used in the making of this tuna salad. Needs to be light mayo. The way they do it at Feast. Shout out to Feast. That is a nice local organic spot here in Charlottesville. Going and get a nice pack of Cars crackers. <laughs> Sorry did that offend you? No. I love um, Feast. Oh, it's the other word. Um, so, <laughs> so you can get a nice, nice box of cars, and you can get some tuna salad that's lightly doused 
with Nothing something that looks like mayonnaise. Lightly but it's not doused. mayonnaise. Oxymoronic. Yes. Can't be lightly doused. Okay. Ryan Flores. Save that for the correction. Was doused. Bottom line is that that's disgusting. If you ate all that mayonnaise, what would happen to your body? Um, I think you deserve to go to the hospital. I think you deserve. You're in the running for being cursed for eternity. I mean, that is just that's next level. Even if it's a joke, it's disgusting, and I don't. And I'm not okay with it. Uh, mayonnaise is hideous. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's shit I saw. I want to keep it brief this week. Um, coming up this weekend, well, we've got our Friday pod, which I hope you tune into at Greenlight. But this weekend is something I'm really excited about. I nerded out at the opportunity to talk to George R.R. R. Martin. Yes, Game of Thrones guy. Yes, iconic, genius, wizard-loving writer. Um, who took the time and was gracious enough to Skype in with me. We talked about a lot. We talked about his wolf sanctuary. He loves football. Basically, the premise of the interview was anything but Game of Thrones because we shot it during the final season, which I don't want to put words in his mouth. He probably didn't love. I know I didn't love it. A lot of people didn't love it. Uh, let's check out a clip from that video. Yeah, living in the projects, we were not allowed to have uh, uh, dogs or cats. They were prohibited in the uh, in the public housing that we lived at. So um, the only pets that I could have as a kid uh, were, you know, like fish, tropical fish. We could have goldfish and guppies and stuff like that. And we got these little turtles, red ear turtles, the dime store turtles. You got them at Woolworths and Kresge's and places like that. They came in a little plastic bowl with a palm tree in the middle and half of it was gravel and half of it was water. And then they sold you turtle food to feed them. Um, and it happened that two of those plastic bowls fit exactly in this toy castle I had. So I could put the two plastic bowls in the courtyard of this toy castle that was right, right by my window. Uh, so that's where I kept them. And since they lived in a castle, I started thinking of them as kings and knights and all of that stuff. Um, but I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that turtle food that they gave you when you bought the turtles was the healthiest <laughs> thing. These turtles died very easily. Yeah. And I never had one of them last longer than like six months or something like that. So I decided that the turtles were competing for the crown and they were all murdering each other. And when one of the turtles died... He must have been killed by the other three turtles. And I started writing this whole story about, you know, this king was killed by that king yeah. and somebody else took the crown and all that. So that was my first epic fantasy was Turtle Castle. It was a slow-moving epic. It was very slow-moving. That's right. <laughs> I like turtles. Remember that kid, the I like turtles yeah. kid? It was a meme. Yeah. Uh, George R. R. Martin liked turtles when he was a kid. It totally tripped me out that in his little genius Bobby Fisher brain, living in Bayonne with a box full of turtles from the pet store. Controlled for inflation, a turtle had to go for like 25 cents back then. Mm. So it wasn't a big loss that they were, well, I guess with, yeah, the point I just made negates that point. I mean, it was probably 25 cents with, went a lot further and if you lost the turtle it was a big deal so these turtles were dropping like flies but in his imaginative mind go figure he had them as kings and queens killing each other for the crown turtles all the way down 
It was turtles the whole time. Game of Thrones. Breaking news. Uh, check out the interview. I got a real kick out of it. And please join us Friday on Greenlight. We'll be back if we don't fire ourselves. Y'all take care. Pretty clean show today. Pretty clean show. Macon is asking off screen if anybody has anything, which means he has nothing. I said that the Giants were outscored 35 to 9 after the Black Cat. It was 34 to 9. Correct yourself. Yeah. Integrity. You said uh -huh. that the strobe lights at M&T Bank Stadium were cool. They're not. You don't like them? Nope. Why? And nobody can be lightly doused. It's not, I, it's not, it feels like something's going wrong. Something bad's happening. Yeah. Let's not get into it's that. It's panic mode. I'll watch this back and hit you with what you messed up on Friday. So nothing egregious. I said oh. lightly doused. Big fucking whoop. Uh, Ninko doesn't like noises. Misophonia. Oh, also, should have said this in the close. Misophonia, that's a good word. Um, Ninko this week, has he has some sort of a website linked to his Twitter. Our producers, Great Catch, Cowboy Reed, um, clicked on the link in Ninko's bio, and we found this. This is... Um, wholesome. This is some just some wholesome porn from a certain genre that was embedded into his website. Hackers did it. So we alerted him that he'd been hacked, and he quickly took it down. I don't, I don't even know what all those buttons meant. Like, are there that many genres within that subcategory of porn? Don't want to talk porn one time a pod. That's the rate we're at. Another thing about that is I am... That's the second time I've warned somebody that they had porn on their Twitter. Would you like to discuss the first I would time? not like to dis discuss the first time at this point. That's for another day. When you're older, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.